Hey everybody, thank you so much for listening to the Legendarium Podcast. Make sure you take a minute to subscribe to us on iTunes and now on Stitcher Radio. Like us on Facebook and check out our fantastic website at thelegendariumpodcast.com. Hey, this is Brandon Sanderson, author of Mistborn. Welcome to the Legendarium. It's Mistborn wrap-up time. Craig and Ryan and Ken and Todd get together and talk about uh, Mistborn, the final empire, and now we get to talk about the book in its entirety. Hope you enjoy it. Woohoo! Welcome back. Welcome back. Hi, Ryan. Hi. Hey, um, I am sorry to disappoint you. I do not have any... Um, prepared insults to hurl your way today. I'm sure you'll come up with something as we go along. <laughs> that is probably true. Uh, nor do I have any uh, insults for our two guests. Welcome back to the full-strength Legendarium Brain Trust. Uh, Todd. Todd. Yes. Woo! And Ken Johnson. Insert clever insert here. <laughs> insert. Oh. Hashtag insert. Hashtag. I don't think we can have that much inserting in our podcast this early. <sighs> so, yeah, there's, uh, there's just... One more person that I'm bringing on to the podcast for today. Uh, let's see if I can get them on. Oh, here we go. Hello. Hello, Jeffrey Inch. You're on the Legendarium podcast. Hey. Awesome. Hey, um, by the way, you won a book. Um, it's like the best day. It's the best day. I agree. It is the best day. Um, so we will be sending you a copy of Mistborn signed by Brandon Sanderson. Awesome, that's so cool. I'm excited. Um, so... <laughs> you know, there were a lot of people that shared the photo on Facebook as requested, but I'll uh-huh. be honest, most of them did not share it publicly. So, uh, you were, you were in a pretty small pool of people who were smart enough to follow the instructions and thus were entered into the, uh, contest. So, congratulations. Yay! So, congrats to Jeff. Very exciting. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, yeah, it was, uh, again, a big thanks to Brandon Sanderson for signing that for us. Um, he signed a lot of stuff when we were there at, uh, at Comic-Con. I'm glad I got in there and got him to do that. But he said we were his favorite. I... To you, maybe. Just in my mind. Okay. <laughs> uh, that, that's what he would have said had I have. asked. If he had, if he was more aware of us, he would definitely have said, you're my favorites of the <laughs> Legendarium podcast. I think the yes. exact quote yeah. was, out of all the podcasts out there, you are one of them. <laughs> so, that sounds about like I would rank that, yeah. Anyway... You guys, you guys can't keep me on track. Um, we are finishing our discussion of book one of the Mistborn trilogy. This is the final empire. I am so excited. I had to bite my tongue so much last week, Todd, when you were here. And, I'm sure. I'm um, sure. Wanted wanted to jump ahead, and now finally we get to talk about the whole book. Oh, um, and so much fun! It is amaze balls. I believe is the only true adjective. It gets for, for very exciting very quickly. Yeah, it's um, so. Let's see. Let's do a quick recap. Um, we the 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 army has been destroyed, and that's where we start in with. Uh, there's all these beheadings in the town square. Oh yeah, and that then was you nasty. start in into uh, section four. So you got two more sections to go, and things are really starting to get dark. Um, Luthadel is on edge. The, the great houses are canceling balls, and they're you know, starting to kind of hunker down in their own houses. And then Vin duels with and kills another Mistborn, which is uh, supposedly amazing for somebody of her skill level or... uh, Having trained for barely six months. Eight eight months. Eight 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 months. months. Come on, man. It was very exciting. It was a great... Oh, my gosh. So so Kelsier... Chapter 30. Two months she had off. Then Kelsier gets super jealous, and he's like, she killed another Mistborn? That's totally awesome. I'm going to go kill an Inquisitor. So he goes and kills an Inquisitor, and Vin's like, what? He took the I'm going to go kill the Lord Ruler. So then she goes and kills the Lord Ruler, and then that's the end of the book. Spoiler uh, the I'm pretty sure that's exactly the dialogue <laughs> in the book, too. <laughs> hey, what? wait a minute. I can't believe you did that. I, I've got to go one-up you. Here we go. <laughs> Let, let's, let's the have... end. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> I, I vaguely remember there being a large occurrence with Kelsier or something that you know led Vin towards 
her thing with the Lord Ruler, but and it seemed to me that Sazed was or Sazed was in that uh, environment as well. Hmm. Yeah, he was in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah, maybe just a little cheering Vin along. You know, go Vin, go Vin, go Vin, go. That's so, a terrible, there, terrible chance. There a, was some marsh action. As yeah, I was just gonna say as a quick uh, you know survey of of some cool plot points. I love when Marsh kills all the Inquisitors. Oh, and he that just, was awesome. He walks into the room and drops a pile of spikes on the floor. Because I wasn't here last week, I just have to throw this out here as I was reading and listening. Marsh, my favorite character oh, yeah? of the entire... Okay. Oh, I love Marsh. From the moment he's inter- introduced, you know, I just like... This is a guy I can get behind. Yeah, I like him. Interesting. Cool dude. Interesting. Um, and what other cool plot points? Oh, okay. When Kelsier kills the Inquisitor... And before he does it, before he delivers the uh, the final blow, he nails the dude's head into an overturned wagon. With yeah, that was spikes. really cool. <laughs> with his that own was really face cool. spikes. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was disturbing and, and amazing. Okay. How, and, by the way, how freaky of a picture is that that Brandon Sanderson picked? Oh, uh, with the eyes, that spikes he paints. Through the with eyes. The, oh my gosh. I mean, yeah. I, I've never seen a, an artist rendering of it, but the moment I read that, I the picture in my mind was freaky. Of that, of yeah, just it a was guy great. with spikes where the eyes should be. The other, you know, he does visuals really well. The other thing I was going to bring up, um, and this is this is one of my points that I was going to save for a little bit later, but I'll just bring it up now. The visual that he provides when he talks about the artistry of Alamancy in that scene where Kelsier's battling the uh, the Inquisitor, and she, and Vin stops and she can't pay attention to anything else. All she can see is how amazing Kelsier is at pushing and pulling metals and he creates this whirlwind around himself and you know i i can just imagine like magneto lifting off the ground yeah. and all this stuff whirling around him and uh you know creating this confusing tornado of of little bits of metal i he, thought it was just fantastic he really did uh, particularly in sections four through six the second half of the book basically he his visual the way he paints a picture is incredible yep agreed um, so should we go and start talking about, uh, some of these points? What we all did was kind of prepared three or four, uh, you know, things to talk about, uh, points to bring up, questions to ask. Uh, so if you're all ready, here we go. Todd, let's start with you. You know, one of the things that I would really like to have answered, I would like to, I would like to explore, and I'm hoping that will be explored is what else is in the Lord Ruler's Keep? Um, I, we, we, we get the, we get the, we get the journal, um, and it's not until later that we realize just exactly what that journal contains. Uh, we think it's going oh, to contain is, one thing. What but a cool twist. Th- that was, that was the, the one twist that I did not fully predict until the last 10 pages. In the last 10 pages, I was like, I wonder, maybe. Be up oh, there it is. It's hard for me to remember the first time I read it, but I I'm pretty sure I was completely blindsided by that. Um, that that was that was the one that that most surprised me was the the twist on on who the Lord Ruler actually was. Um, but I want to know then that makes me say, okay, what else is still floating around in the Lord Ruler's keep? We you know we as Brandon Sanderson reveals, we know that the ATM storage that they expected to find they didn't. But what did they find? And that's, there's got to be other things. There have to be other artifacts that give us clues. And I'm, I'm anxious. And that's why we have two more books. It is so, <laughs> it is so hard to not like, just immediately be like, yeah, don't worry, Todd, you're going to get your answers. That's about all you can say because, oh gosh. Yeah. Christy and I have an agreement that she's not allowed to talk to me about any of the Brandon Sanderson books because she is just finishing book three. Yeah, she came and talked to me yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> sitting, we're sitting in rehearsal. She comes over and talks to me. She's like, "I've got like just I've got a few pages left. I've got or one one and a half discs left of the last book of, of the Hero of Ages." She said, "I'm just going like crazy about it. These things, and I can't talk to Todd about any of it." I'm like, "I know, I know what you're going through." And I thought you were planning on what to get me for my birthday present. Yes, the second uh, book in the Mistborn trilogy, I believe, <laughs> uh, was the planned present. Um, or uh, all of them on disc. I really <laughs> am excited for book two. This is, it's yeah. Uh, yeah. This the end of this book. It's like, um, it, it's satisfying in itself as an ending mm-hmm. that you could leave this book alone. Um, 
and and you know there's there are some cliffhangers but enough questions are answered enough loose ends are tied up that uh, that it, you feel very satisfied um but but oh power through because it gets good have already started well of ascension have you really yes okay good um yeah i love this idea that um it, it, this this reminds me of what if this were the return of the jedi and the Empire gets blown to pieces, and the Rebellion wins, and then you find out that the Empire was actually keeping at bay something else, and that's what the Lord Ruler is hinting that's, at. Yeah. You don't know what I do for you. Well, in fact, she mentions dun, that. Dun, at, dun, dun. Yeah, she mentions that at the end. Do. He didn't say do, or he didn't say did. He said do. Yeah. Like, whoa. Yeah. Oh. So, yeah, I love that setup. Which led to my story. big question. Okay, so what's the deepness? Yeah. What are we looking at? I'm excited. <laughs> so is, that, is that your question? Yeah. That that, well, that was my, my very main one. It's like, oh, what is the deepness then? I'm excited. Because I thought it was, I thought they were going to explain something toward the end there. And all of a sudden, it's, you know, lingering out there darkly for the next two books, I imagine. And I'm very excited to. There's always a greater about. evil, apparently. In every good there's story, always I swear, there's always a bigger a fish. <laughs> Thank you. Was that an episode one reference? <laughs> hey, even episode one had a couple of moments. Well, didn't, um, didn't he say earlier in the book, Kelsey, he said earlier in the book, there are always more questions or something like that? Yeah. Oh, there's, there's all, there are always more secrets. Secrets. That's it. That's what her brother teaches her. Yeah, that's right. That's another great hey, little That was a nice little book. redemption thing. That was it? a fun twist. That one I didn't see coming either. Which one? Reen. That, that of all of the things that had happened, Reen didn't desert Vin. Mm. And in the not deserting Vin, he also held out against the Inquisitors. That they say at the very end that he died saying that you he 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 uh, ended his life swearing that you were already dead. Yes, yeah, swearing that you'd starved to death long ago. Yes, what a wonderful a, a great moment to redeem this person that Vin had created in her mind, and thus as readers we had created this image of this just kind absolutely of, horrible, kind person. Of monstrous person. Yeah, yeah. That, 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 that's not to say that her time with him was a joy. <laughs> But um, right. I remember the first time I was reading through this, the character of Reen was one that I always thought, I'm like, he's going to come back. He's going to end up being a major obstacle for her. And when I read this section, when I read that piece, I was like, it was very nice to go, oh, it, it, it was like you said, it was a great redemption story to be like, you know what? He was always looking out for her, even though it was not the way we'd like. It, he really was always looking out for her. Yeah. He was a piece of work, but family, you know, blood is thicker than water. Family, we, we protect our family. We protect our own. Uh, you might be a piece of, of trash, but you're our trash and we're going to take care of you. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Ryan, what do you want to bring up? Um, how about the way that it is explained how the Lord Ruler has maintained his immortality? Ooh. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Yeah, Ooh. everybody Ooh. on cue. Ooh. One, two, three. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely... Again, the first time I read it, I went, how did I not even put you know put any of that together? And now reading it a second time, watching this whole thing going through, knowing in my head what's going on, I'm just sitting here going, this is a, this is just genius. So, yeah, it's it, – how cool is it that he comes up with Allomancy, uh, an utterly original and wonderful magic system that that is very uh, well thought out and structured and simultaneously feels like you're playing, uh, playing a video game. So much fun and visceral to read. And then he comes out of the woodwork with a second one. Well, I don't even know how to say it. Farukami. 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 And, uh, and suddenly, you know, there's this whole other magic system that, that we realize has been in play this whole time and mm-hmm. fills in some gaps. And I don't feel like he did that in a cheap way. It wasn't like a, it wasn't I mean, like it a wasn't something a from nothing. Yeah, exactly. It's, it was I integral ac- to the story. I actually managed to call that one, by the way. Oh, you did? The moment that Farukami was introduced, I'm like, I see where this is going. And so I, I caught that, but I mean, that's blind squirrel and acorn on my part. <laughs> however, <laughs> however, I did actually catch that one. I, I just think it's so often in, in any set of stories that we read, fantasy or otherwise, where there is a system of magic or technology or, or whatever it is out there, so often we get tied up that that's the system that exists. And then if there's a, a similar competing system to combine them and, and to utilize them the way the Lord Ruler does is just... It's like, wow, not many people would think to combine a ma- two magics to create a single uh, skill set. pseudo-deity. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love that. And and Farukami, it's not going away. 
I'm very and excited to see where both of them don't, go. Don't say it, Ryan. I see don't it in you your face. Don't you say words. <laughs> I just did it's, <sighs> it's it gets good, you guys. It gets Some good. of us have not some of us are going through this for the first time. I know. Don't there's We're not trust me, you if you think that was great, there's just more around the corner. So you're let gonna me, be like, holy So <laughs> let me let me let me take things down a different path here. I was having a conversation about Miss Bourne the other day with a friend of mine. Um and he says, uh, "He says, what's with the French connection? Is Brandon Sanderson like French? Is he? Did he live in France? What's going on? Because you have like Lord Renu, who lives in oh, Feliz. Yeah. Yes, who you know, there are all these very, very French names uh, and things going on. And and when I stopped and thought about it, I go, well, hang on a second. We've got we've got a god king with a ruling class." And we a have, starving, you know, kind of underpopulation. This feels very much like the at least the cartoon version that we understand nowadays of Louis the Fourteenth, the Sun King, with his kind of like the lick spittle uh, uh, ruling class at court, and then you know the let them eat cake, and the, you got the little peasants that are out in the streets starving. You know, mm-hmm, uh, that's yeah. it, that's kind of what it feels it feels like. I wonder if there's some sort of French connection going on here. Where he's just pulling from, you know, little bits of France. Uh, you know, I, you mentioned that. I wonder um, in, in Brandon Sanderson's past if he spent uh, a couple of years overseas uh, in France, perhaps. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> that's exactly I did. what I thought. Like, hey. That's, yeah, that's, I did. But I, but I certainly, one of the, one of the things that's very interesting uh, is that it does have a very European flair. Um, in it, it, when you when you compare most American literature uh, and and uh, look at American types of uh, government systems, they don't look like European systems. Brandon Sanderson, as a as a very American author, has borrowed a very European kind of of system, uh, a system of government, system of class, system of separation. And it it is setting the stage for something that feels very much like it can uh, be a a rebirth of America story or a, a kind of story that tells that kind of egalitarian birth that we experienced here in the United States uh, and that we revere as the signing of the Declaration of Independence, the signing of the Constitution, and the founding of a of a new government system. And the indications that are that are given in the in the end of the book uh, that things are changing with Elend becoming. Uh, surrendering himself and and negotiating a a, a, a truce, um, it feels like there are hints that maybe he's going to explore some of those other political factors, and and I think that that's something that for those of us who choose to read a little bit more deeply in the book, um, and and get beyond just a ripping good yarn, uh, are finding that he's got some really interesting things to talk about with politics and economics. And the whole how do we how do we handle the process of ruling? How do we handle the process of government? Um, and it's and it's done very artfully and without an awful lot of heavy handedness. No, I agree, and that's what I think is one of his more uh, interesting. In fact, last week I used the word paradigm shifts. It's not like a huge revelation like you have with Reen or something, but you have this little paradigm shift that happens little by little as you go through the book where it feels you feel like you are being uh, lectured by a marxist you know you have the working class that needs to rise up and take on the man you know these these uh uh capitalist pigs or whatever it is right um but as you go through the book you realize no it's it's a lot more complicated than that than that you have um a lot of these ska who are not such great people uh you have and then there are some of these noblemen who you know, even despite being raised by horrible people, you know, take Ellen, for instance, Ellen is is still a decent human being who makes his own choices and can understand that there is some value to being a a good person and, you know, trying to change things uh, from the way that they are, even though those things benefit him. It's um, so you feel like you're being lectured to, and then he kind of turns the tables a little bit and says, no, the world is a lot more complicated than some would want you to believe. Going back to your French connection, Ellen and his buddies feels very lame as. Yeah. You know, it, it does, but it feels it 
um, in a in a different way. the the thing that The thing that always disturbed me and has disturbed me uh, about the French Revolution and history is that it so rapidly turned on itself. Uh, Robespierre and and the court of uh, the court of brotherhood, the court of egalitarian uh, strivings, turned so quickly upon itself because it was based upon suspicion. Um, and Alend and his team, uh, his his brother nobles, the the children of the the children of the ruling class, um, seem very much to children be, of the revolution. <laughs> <laughs> they seem very much to understand that. Uh, perhaps the term that we would use, uh, noblesse oblige, uh, is about is truly about not the the rights of the ruling class, but the obligations that the ruling class have to rule well. Um, and and so while it has very much a les mis feel at the end of the book, it doesn't have the same kind of of for me at least, it doesn't have the feeling that oh, and we're going to watch this one go all over the place and Ryan is looking at me with a smile, so I may have missed it. <laughs> it's another one of those, just wait. Just yeah. wait. <laughs> it's, it's, um, take everything that I mentioned last week and this week so far about the the first book and extend it into all three books. Yeah, There are so many different little paradigm shifts. You have the You have the big moments of revelation oh my gosh i can't believe he was leading us along this whole time and then it completely changed and then there are these other kind of more subtle and gradual shifts in your understanding of how the world works uh, through these books yeah yeah well and yeah. and with Le, with uh with the french revolution with the lemes with the beginning of lemes which is all about uh the power of the of the working people you also have all of the other stories of the French Revolution, um, one that Ken and I are very familiar with in the Scarlet Pimpernel, um, a, a story of the other side of how... Hang on. Hang on. The what? The Scarlet Pimpernel. Yeah, but you have to say it right. Like Pimpernel. The Pimpernel. Scarlet Pimpernel. Anyway, go on with your point. Um, is he in heaven? Um, <laughs> I, I, again, there are, there are multiple sides to these stories. One of, the, one of the things that it feels like Brandon Sanderson is trying to do is to make sure we remember that just because you happen to be telling the story from your perspective doesn't always mean that your perspective is the best. Or uh, at least the only. Yeah, I'll, I'll buy that. I'll buy that. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, let's move on. Ken, what do you got? You got anything else you want to talk about? I am very excited to see what more there is to do with Alamancy. Because... Ooh. There, because I mean, it starts out with eight medals, and then all of a sudden there was a ninth, and then there was a tenth, and now there was the mysterious eleventh medal. I'm excited to see what's more, because they're not just eleven medals. No, they're not. Did anyone? Uh, did anyone flip to the back? Yes. Yes. The Arcanum. Yes. Okay, just checking. Because uh, yeah, that was something that uh, if you again, really... we brought up last week is the question marks. You know, there's they come in pairs, right? Yeah. Uh, iron and steel, etc. And then you get to gold and ATM. And then there's the 11th medal, which is unnamed. And so there there's got to be a 12th. Yeah, there's got to be a 12th. Yeah, if you, what I did the first time, I admit, I cheated. I went to the Hero of Ages and looked in the back and looked it up all the little things that they revealed in there in the Ars Arcanum. You're a terrible human being. I am. Oh quite frequently, gosh. I am. You are but, the one that opened your Christmas presents and were disappointed on Christmas morning because you already knew. Because you already knew, yeah. Or because your parents had taken back the other presents. No, that was... Christmas morning was a chance for me to perfect my acting skills. I already know what I'm getting, <laughs> Mom and Dad, but I'm going to make you believe that that was the best thing that I've ever gotten. <laughs> and he's still perfecting his acting skills, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Actually, yeah, so he is perfecting his acting skills. The um, the magic system will be a fun ride. Yeah, for those I'm, who I'm are really excited about the first time. Well, guys, we just need to finish the other two books because I want to talk about more of the magic system. I want to talk about them now. <laughs> I want a golden goose now, Daddy. You all are sounding like Luke whining in Ryan episode was a bad four. <laughs> one more season. One more season. <laughs> uh, Ryan, what else you got? Uh, now I've totally spaced what I had because I had it just a minute ago. Um, <laughs> I've got a fun one if we want to just skip to my fun one. Jump to your fun one and I'm going to write down as soon as it comes uh, back to my head. Okay. Um, all right. It is uh, some unspecified date in the future. You are sitting around a conference table with other uh, Hollywood executives and you're saying, 
who do we want to cast for our Mistborn movie? Ooh. Loki. Loki. Tom Hiddleston is Lord Ruler. Oh, that's a good one. I was, would, the moment mo- he came on the scene, the, the way he was describing him, I said, that is Tom Hiddleston. That's a good one. Hmm, I like that. That's interesting. Although, I gotta to say, him. I gotta say, if I saw him play the, the Lord Ruler, I might just go, that's Loki. Yeah, and you that, know, like well, he, and that's he the would risk. play them pretty yeah, much and exactly that's the, risk the same now. way. But... Can I tell you who I would cast as the Lord Ruler? No. This would be no. a little bit... Okay, this would be a little weird. But work with me on this one. Because I like this guy. Brad Pitt. I want Brad Pitt as the and Lord I'm Ruler. And I'm not going to see it anymore. <laughs> I, I like Brad Here's Pitt. why. Here's, I can because see that. he's not going to be on screen very much at all. True. Uh, you're, you're not... Uh, so this isn't somebody who you're billing as, you know, this is your main character. So he gets to move into more of a supporting role. But... I think that because he's so pretty, he's not uh, he's not given his due all the time. He, I think he's a really good actor. He's very compelling on screen. Uh, and I think he can pull off that quiet confidence that you want from Tom Hiddleston. Plus, he was in Seven Years in Tibet. And did a magnificent job in Seven Years in Tibet. So he might be a There's little There's two bit, of us out of the might seven be a people that have seen old. that movie. Right. Seven people watching Seven Years in Tibet. I'm struggling with something in my head that maybe. Maybe I've just got it wrong in my head for right now. The Lord Ruler, what race is he? Um, he he is a terrorist. Yeah, he's a terrorist. So however you're going to cast your Lord Ruler, uh, say that has to follow a similar... A similar mold. Okay. A similar mold. Yeah. I thought that to, as well. To me, the uh, terrorist have they've always in my mind played a little more uh, almost uh, Egyptian or Middle Eastern yeah. look. To yeah. me... The Lord Ruler for me, in the moments when he is fearful and like when he is the Lord Ruler standing there, I see Arnold Vosloo. Who's that? Oh, yeah. The Mummy. Yeah. Oh, okay. The guy who played the Mummy. Oh, yeah, sure. Or I was going to say Ben Kingsley, but he's definitely too old. Yeah, but that's... I would I would probably go with Arnold Vosloo for my Lord Ruler. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'd, I'd, ha- I'd have to be convinced of that one, but I could. I could be. Uh, who do you guys want as Vin... Ooh. I'm not sure, but you know who I always pictured as Suzed is. Uh, you some... just totally deflected, you jerk. Okay, I, well I did, <laughs> so I can think about. It? I yeah. the only the only reason I because the only two I really pictured were these two, but I always thought Idris Elba. Okay, uh, okay, yep. somebody like right. that. I could, I could do that. I'll I could buy yeah. that. Idris Elba. He would be awesome in that role. Anyway, um, go Vin, ahead. Anybody? Anybody have a Vin? Ryan and I, before we started recording, decided that we, under no circumstances, will allow Jennifer Lawrence to play. Uh, no, Vin. no, <laughs> no, it can't be Jennifer Lawrence. Um, no. Well, it wouldn't be Jennifer Lawrence if it was I, if no. I were in that situation. I see. So this is where I want somebody young, and I, I'm not sure I know all of the young talent in Hollywood. I suffer so. from extreme Lawrence decay. The uh, the the one person that I might choose who might be just a tad too old, but maybe not, would be Emma Watson. I'd take Emma Watson. Um, she might be getting too old for me now. Maybe. Anyway. I'll tell you who I would like to see, and maybe this is just because I've been binge-watching Under the Dome, but the actress that plays Nori in Under the Dome. I haven't even been watching that, so you've um, lost me. And you're shaking your head, Ken. Have you been Have you been watching that and you don't think uh, so? Yeah, I, I tried watching Under the Dome, but none of the actors interested me. Now, here's the thing with Under the Dome, and and this isn't going to be an Under the Dome podcast by any match. But but check out the, the check out the actress that plays that role. If her hair were short, and well, I and I know who you're talking. Who? I just she does. I don't. I didn't care. What for character her. does she play? She plays. She Nori. plays Nori. Um, she she has the right look. Mackenzie Lintz. She has the right look of being a waif. She's young, uh, and she could be someone that the franchise could grow around. Um, there's some episodes where they've done they they've they seem to have gone out of their way to make her look uh, unattractive uh, in the first couple of episodes. But they she starts to come into, into her own as far as the way that they the way that they treat her character and the way that they use the makeup and costumes to to. Um, to downplay her attractiveness. I think she'd be a good choice for Vin. So who would Kelsier be? Uh, this would be my last one, then we'll move away from this discussion. No, we need to, I, I'm I need throwing to have, my Vin out there. Okay. there. I'm throwing my Vin out there. Uh, Gemma Arderton. Oh, yeah, yeah, Ooh, you said that. She's oh, too old, okay. She is older, but you, you could... Apparently she's what, like twenty eight? She's twenty seven. Twenty seven? That's crazy. Yeah, that's I love her. she feels I love older. Her. She talks and I'm just like, Oh yeah, keep that talking. Would, 
It should have been to talk. <laughs> it would be hard. It would be hard to cast someone older because, um, especially if you're going to have the same character, the same actress portray these different films, unless you're going to do a Peter Jackson where you're filming all three of them at the same time. Um, you're going to have an you're going to have an age discrepancy by the time you get to the end because you know a lot of it's not a, a lot of stuff happens in these books, but it doesn't cover a lot of time. My first two choices for Vin, um, just because I love both of these actresses. My first one was Chloe Moretz. Oh, uh, she is. Okay, yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love her. I, everything she's in, I'm just like, oh, she's neat. And I think she probably could pull off the age too. And I think she's rangy enough that she could do it. Um, the other one I like is Alexandra Daddario. From the Percy Jackson books, oh yeah, movies, sure, but sure, she's, sure. She's too old. Well, and so. yeah, yeah, and that's where you get into this, a real a real tough spot is the is the age. You want they need to look the age, but they can't look even if too they're much yeah the even if they're a little bit too old. That's okay, but I need somebody the right build. This will get a little creepy, but I'm going to call her a little too curvy. She is too curvy, but so. I just, her face. Sure, I'm just like oh that's but Chloe Moretz is not right. She could pull it off anyway. Um, do we have any Kelsiers? You know, I always, I actually, believe it or not, envisioned more of a Brad Pitt as the Kelsier. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. I just, I didn't, I feel like Brad Pitt is a little too smoldering. You know, he doesn't have quite the uh, the brash charisma that I would want in a Kelsier. So. I don't know. I think he could, I think he could, I think Brad Pitt is acty enough that he could pull that off. Acty. I have, I have a, for Kelsier, this is not a perfect casting, but it would be a dream casting for me. To take David, David Tennant. Tennant. Yes. You know, yes. he may not be big and tall enough, but he's got the attitude he's, for it, I think. He's got he the does. charisma to he convince does. people to follow him. Or, you know, I and I, uh, so if we're doing Doctor Who, who's my favorite Doctor? What's his name? I don't the The one before David Tennant. Christopher Eccleston. Christopher Eccleston. Um, he's, he's a bigger Marsh. dude. He's got, uh, that might be a good one. Ooh, he you, was you know, like I just, a good Marsh. Christopher Eccleston is Marsh. That, that could work. That could work. Oh, well, anyway. I'll uh, tell you, I had one you more. You have one more. I yeah, let's one do more. one more. Um, because every time I thought of Breeze, I thought of Alfred Molina. Really? Oh, yes. really? Oh, okay. oh, when he, yes. yes. I could okay. see it. I've never visualized Breeze like that. My, We were listening to the audio tape, and the way that the person, the, the uh, tape, we don't use tape, um, to the uh, audio recording, and the way that he delivers the lines of Breeze it lends very much to an Alfred Merlina type, but I've always, for some reason, I have always envisioned him as a totally different character than that. There was a moment in the books that that solidified it. I the the facial structure was John Barrowman. <laughs> That's what I was thinking of. Uh, the facial structure, the 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 beard, the the kind of uh, very much like an like an Athos character, or excuse me, a Porthos character from the Three Musketeers. But it was when they said that he was a little bit more portly and a little bit less inclined to. Physical activity, but inclined to, uh, but he, but he lounged everywhere he went. He lounged, and immediately I thought of Alfred Molina. That's a good one. It I was like uh, it was when he was writing as Breeze was soothing and stuff, and all the things yeah, he would say to yeah. himself, you know, saying to his to the people he was working on. That I can see, I could totally see him doing that. All right. Well, uh, I had one for Ham though. We're, we're okay. What's your hand? <laughs> you asked us to cast the show. Sorry, you, we're now we're, we're we're into this now. Ray Stevenson. We've, been, we've only been. Oh, okay. Ray Stevenson. He played Volstagg. Thanks in for not the yeah, movies. Yeah, yeah. That guy could pull it off. I just didn't imagine spending ten or fifteen minutes casting the movie. <laughs> Are you kidding? <laughs> You're asking a bunch of actor people to talk about yeah, casting guess, a movie. Uh, Sean Bean for Kelsier, by the way. Oh, Sean Bean for anything. Yeah. Sean Bean for president Sean, as far as Sean I'm Bean would be a good, he would be very good at yep. that. And his MO fits the part. Oh, yeah. <laughs> for, wait, for which part? Kelsier. 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 Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay, I'm trying to picture Sean Bean and then Christopher Eccleston as brothers. <laughs> what about, what about See, Sean? Work. What about Sean Bean and Liam Neeson? Uh, I would see yeah. Liam Neeson in anything. Liam Neeson. Liam as Neeson reading the phone book. I Liam, would be there. Liam Neeson as Marsh with Sean Bean as Kelsier. Liam Neeson as Vin. <laughs> and the, the only problem is that at some point in time, Marsh would have to come in and say, "You took my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> I have a special skill set." <laughs> he does have a special set of skills. Uh, I'm very okay. excited to see what happens with the other members of the <laughs> team. By the way, 
Um, Breeze and Ham and all of them. That's Yeah, that'll be a fun I, one. I hope they are integral in the next two books. Very impressed with the character of Ham. I am too. I was too. He the the thing that I loved about the thing that I've really enjoyed about Brandon Sanderson's characters is that he does not let them be archetypal, two dimensional. He, he makes you think that they're going to be. Yep. In the very beginning, when they when Ham comes in with a, I'm a with, soldier. With a sleeveless I wear sleeveless tunic. shirts. Yes. I've, look at my arms. Look at my muscles. I'm a thug. And then he looks at Kelsey or at uh, at Dachshund and he says, "So." What if we had to talk about economics? I mean, really, if we didn't use ATM anymore as the means of com- uh, the means of currency for the nobles, then what happens to the entire economic system? And I'm th- and I'm sitting there and I'm saying to myself, if any of the football players in my high school had these conversations with me, that would have been a cool day. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, that yeah. would be good. And you know, the, so that one he kind of juxtaposes those two types of personalities. I like Breeze a little bit more in that he. He is who he is, and it's it seems very one-sided, but that one side turns out to be quite nuanced uh, in his emotions, uh, in his, yeah. you know, in his, uh, the way he reaches out to the people around him. So, I, I like that really one really like Dachshund, too. Dachshund, I don't really get a read on in the first book, when I think about it. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll get to know him a little bit better again as I read the second book, I think. So Wait and see. Wait and see. What about you, Ryan? Hmm? What about... What about uh, who are you uh, looking forward to? Uh, this is hard for me without book? without releasing anything as to why I'm super excited about other characters. Um, I'm a big fan of Ellen Venture. I really like yeah. what he's yeah. the direction he's going to be going, and uh, you just ruined everything. I don't think so. It's because like I, I don't even need to read the next two books. He did not ruin anything. Uh, okay, cool. Uh, who else wants to bring something up? I'm totally lost on whose turn it is. Todd, is it your turn? Um, sure, I'll jump in. Okay. Um, one of the things that I that I really would like to see explored is um, is, is the developing economic system. Um, and I know this is this is one of those places where you know maybe it's just a little too much the pencil neck in me. Um, but I'm I'm a firm believer that that economics um, runs a lot of our uh, runs a lot of our decision making. It runs. It runs the. It runs the politics. Um, it it forms the alliances. And there's a lot to be said for an economy that is based on a people that are in one place and afraid. And so I'd like to see. I'm I'm anxious to see how the rest of this. I have the feeling, and of course I haven't read the books, the, the other two books, but I have the feeling that the ATM supply is still going to show up. And I think I know where it's coming from. I think I know who currently has a stranglehold upon it. And I really you're wrong. Okay, I really hate you <laughs> right now. Stop ruining the books. <laughs> I, it doesn't it. matter. Even if, I don't know what you're thinking. You could be right. I'm just going to say you're wrong because that's been the entire experience for me. Was oh, I was wrong about that. But I, but I really want to see. I, I want to see some more development of the of the economic system and how they're going to deal with the absolute elimination of the one piece that they that underpins all of their economy. Because that either that or the ATM supply has to show up. Okay. I'm very excited for that, too. <laughs> I hate you both. <laughs> I'm very excited to see the world regrow. Uh, regrow? Regrow, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that will be, the color that re- will be very fun. I, I was going to say, that's going to happen. It's, 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 the whole thing is built on it. Come on. <laughs> I can't be part most, of this podcast anymore. This is the most amusing thing in the world. Uh, I, for see, me, I don't, not, maybe not for people listening, but uh, and I don't, and I'm not sure that it will because my my feeling is that allomancy is uh, is is part of why the world is not the way that it is anymore. I think if the world goes back to being green with blue skies and all these kinds of things, that allomancy ceases to exist. Huh, okay, that's an interesting theory. I like the way that you think. Um, <laughs> which means nothing ladies and gentlemen right. listening to the podcast um, it yeah, was just this, one more the way that Craig and Ryan can make fun of me it, well, if, you, if, if you people listening could see just how tense Ryan and I are getting we're squirming we're come on oh, you know just we're like finish a, the other books because we need to be able to talk about this Ryan yeah. is great I'm like a I'm like a racehorse being held back uh, you know on a mountain trail you just gotta Get me into the flats and let me go because I want to. I just want to go. Um, we're working we on it. We're working then. on it. Yeah, we're yeah. working on it. So I have exhausted everything I want to talk about with this book, and I'm freaking out 
excited for you guys to read the other books so that we can talk about those too. Um, does anybody else have anything you want to talk about with this one? Yes, but I can't remember it. That doesn't mean no good. Exactly. <laughs> no good. I don't think you understand how this show works. Oh. <laughs> you know what they say, Ken. The mind is the first thing to go. <laughs> Alexandra what? Daddario as Lady Shan. Corey okay. Moretz as Vin. I'll take Solved. That. All right. Let's cast it. Done. Interesting. Yeah, executives of Hollywood Studios, you're welcome to send checks to the Legendarium podcast. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> we have solved all your woes. Um, Ryan, you got anything else? I just I don't want to stop talking about this book yet. Um, there, oh yeah, there are a trillion things we could talk about, um, but we're not part of to. part of my problem is that I can't remember. Sometimes I can't remember what's current and what I have and what's from the second yeah. two books. Um, already, I'm about a hundred pages in on Well of Ascension, and I'm already losing my clarity on what has happened and what hasn't yeah um because because the way and this again goes back to brandon sanderson's writing style um and and craig you've mentioned this a couple of times he writes differently most most authors write to uh they they follow that typical plot line and they write to it they write to an uh an apex in the story's development and then they allow themselves a denouement where they tie everything up in a nice little package um, and Brandon Sanderson does not do that with with this first book. He writes it up to a point, and it is in crescendo the entire time, and then it stops. And so when you when I picked up Well of Ascension, I felt like I had picked up a book that hadn't stopped. It was just an it was a continuation. It was like the next part, um, and it had never stopped crescendoing. It's amazing to me, looking forward to the you know through the Well of Ascension through the Hero of Ages. It's amazing to me that I can read those books and not be completely exhausted because of what you're talking about, Todd, where it, through the first book, you're, it's crescendo, it's crescendo, it's crescendo. You get to the very end, you're at this fever pitch, and th there's energy just bursting through these pages, and then it ends, you pick up the Well of Ascension, and you more or less are right where you left off. Yeah. It's very exciting right from the beginning, and he carries that through. I mean, there there are moments where you get to relax and... People get to chat a little bit. I mean, it's not action from wall to wall, but uh, but yeah, that that kind of tension, that fever pitch that I was talking about, he mm -hmm. keeps that going through everything, and it, it you know it's not really until the end of the third book, and I do mean the bitter bitter end that finally that tension breaks. And there are other authors that that do a wonderful job with that, um, um, but I'm I've been pleasantly surprised. Um, by the way that Brandon's done it. He's, and, and there are a few things about Brandon Sanderson's, um, if, if I may, there's a few things about his world building that, that for me as a, as a reader were, were tough. Um, the number of things that he leaves unexplained in the beginning, the, the number of things that he doesn't even touch. Um, like the Chandra, like the Chandra, like the, like the system of like economics, um, no, you know, I'll accept the fact that that's, that that gets introduced over time. Um, but, uh, for instance, one of the, one of the, one of the, uh, series that I read early on in my, in my reading of fantasy literature, uh, it was the Terran Wanderer series. Oh, that's great. Um, and in that, in that series of books, there's a lot of exposition that happens in the first hundred pages that becomes foundational throughout the entire book. They, they set a lot of the myths in place. They set a lot of, of prophecy in place. They set a lot of of um, foreshadowing in place that follow the entire series of, I think it's five books. Um, there's none of that going on. Um, there's, there's, there's piecemeal uh, breadcrumbs that get laid out through this process. And for me as a, as a reader, maybe I've been spoiled. Um, but that's been a hard thing for me to get used to. Yeah, it is a different style. I, some people would prefer it, you know, cause he, like I was saying last week, he kind of, uh, spreads those bread crumbs all throughout the advancing story. He never stops the story to, you know, to just chat about whatever it is, politics, religion, economics. Yeah. yeah. He, he never stops. He works those things in, I think, pretty darn seamlessly most of the time. And it's, you know, that's, a, that's quite a skill. He does, and he does it through a... Um, 
through a conversational exposition rather than rather than it being like like we all would already understand this stuff anyway um there there's an assumptive level that he's that he makes of the reader that the reader will take up and go along with him without wanting to have those things explained first um and that's um in in fantasy literature that's rare it's an author who trusts his readers and expects his readers to trust him back and it's paid off and it pays off well it's i mean there there are lots and lots of reasons i think why he's uh, arguably the most popular fantasy writer in the world currently and that would be a big uh, a big one yeah i want I to see trust. I, I love the way he builds a magic system and I want to see Ryan's head explode one more time before we go. I cannot wait. Yeah, it's see, not going to be my head that blows up. It's going to be yours. I can't, <laughs> I can't wait to see what other magic systems he comes up with in the next two books. So, Ken, were you here when we were talking about the fact that he has uh, – that when he pitched the novels about how he pitched them, that there were going to be three sets of trilogies? No. Oh, we'll take that offline because an exploding head is a really messy thing for a podcast. <laughs> it's messy. <laughs> I remembered. I remembered the two other things that I wanted to talk okay. about, and I can't believe that we haven't discussed this. Yeah, no, I, I actually thought of one more, but I may have to leave it because I want to hear yours. Okay, first of all, I want to know the most. These are both questions aimed at our newcomers. Um, I want to know what your thoughts were on the workings of the eleventh metal. Was it a disappointment? What, the whole time you were building up, it was a disappointment. I, I'm. It was confusing, and I'm not sure what so the point is So somebody give yet. us a quick rundown. Um, what what happened with the 11th medal? The 11th medal allows an individual to see a past self, if I'm remembering correctly. You are... Someone else's past self. You are able to yes. look and or see someone else's past. Yes. That's important. Because, because the 10th medal, gold... 9th medal. 9th medal, excuse me, allows you to see your own past. Right. It's it's not your past. It's your it's oh, your past, other what you would have present. become. Yes, Basically, yeah. Your other what you would have become if you'd made different choices in your past. Yeah, um, yeah. That was that was. I did like how it was used in the big reveal. You know, it's crucial to the, it's it crucial was, to pulling off what they pulled off. Yeah, um, but I at the same time I'm just like. What were you expecting? Like, as you were building up to it, what sort of things were you expecting from the 11th medal? The whole time Kelsey's talking about it, trying to figure it out, and you're expecting this has got to be what it is. I was expecting, like, some big angelic blinding light that's going to shoot from her chest and, like, evaporate him. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> how very X Men of you, right? Mr. Exactly. Right. Um, so, Bunch Lady Wolverine. What, what about you? What do you want to say about it, Ryan? Well, first of all, I, I, I was, when I first read it, I went, holy crap. I was, I was kind of like Ken at first. I'm like, I was expecting this major explosive powerhouse of metal that she was going to figure out how to use just in time because that's very television and movies. Right. But yeah. I was so glad, after a little while, I was so glad that we learned what it was and that we learned that it wasn't some super-powered thing that could dissolve another human being. It was just insight into another person. And the power yeah. that that insight gives you. This yes. reminds me a lot yes. of um, of this sort of Shannara, uh, which, as we all know, is an utterly unoriginal work. Um, except that I do really like uh, the power of the sort of Shannara. Isn't you know atomic breath or whatever we're you know wanting from movies and TV, but it's um, it's truth, right? Whoever touches it, whoever draws it, whoever is struck with this sword is confronted with truth. Yeah, it's the same kind of thing. It's um, it feels it feels like a, a physical anticlimax, but in reality, in in an emotional and a philosophical way, it's far more uh, poignant. I should clarify. I, it wasn't at all what I expected, but I wasn't disappointed in it. Yeah, yeah. I think it was it was the kind of thing that leaves you saying. Um, that all things in allomancy are not for uh, are are not for explosive pyrotechnics and fireworks of exp uh, of activity. They are for understanding uh, as well. Knowledge is power. There's one other moment, kind of in that whole scene piece, that I want to know. I want your take on. I want your guys' take on it again. Uh, is this your second point? This is my second point. Okay. And once I've got this taken care of, we you can go wherever you want with whatever okay. you want there. Uh, there's a, a section where Vin talks about drawing on the mists. 
Yeah. Okay, wait, on cue, one, two, three. Oh. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right, now we got that out of the way. Tell me, I want to know your thoughts on that moment, because Craig and I, having finished the series, know what what's going on. What are your thoughts? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I think the mists unlock a level of allomancy that does not exist without them. Um, when I when I was reading it, the, what 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 came to me was that Vin was doing something because when the mists were swirling around her, it was when she was trying to do something that she could not do on her own. Mm-hmm. And it seems as though the mists I, and I mentioned this last week, the mission, the ash um, seemed to be paired as all things in Allomancy are paired and they feel very much like they are paired. And I I, I am having the feeling that the mists are there to either unlock or complete something about the tools of uh, about the tool of allomancy uh, that allows it to work in a way that it that if it's used on its own it can work it can do some wonderful things but if it's used in conjunction with the mists it unlocks a different level of a, a completely different level of power and of use I could weep like I'm I'm almost tearing up right now with the strain of not <laughs> talking about the mists. In in yeah, it's uh, the mists definitely so are So either I'm exactly on track or I'm so far off base that it's just not even funny. The, 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 the well, the nice is, thing about Brandon Sanderson is you can be both. Yeah, the beauty is that y- you are both on that. Mm-hmm. You um, you can be both and you are both on that. Thank you. Obviously a so trilogy a trilogy that's called Mistborn in which the mists play such a huge role and the ash as well. I mean, you know there's something there. Yeah. Um so, yes. Yes. Can't wait. Um, hey, do you remember, Ryan, our final Lord of the Rings episode um, with Larry Curtis from uh, TheWandering.net? And we talked about uh, when Saruman dies and he, like, as his spirit leaves, it, or he, he gets stabbed and then his body reveals the death that was there all along, right? Mm-hmm. And this is like the template for how to kill a bad guy. It showed up again with the Lord Ruler's death, I just realized. Um, I hadn't even thought of that. The uh, yeah, that's true. The death was there. All the along. death was there all along, right? I just wanted to bring that up because the thought occurred to me. I don't really have anything deep to say about it, but I love that uh, that that's a nice little template that authors get to use, and uh, and it keeps working. Can I tell you the way that I envision that scene every time? Just like Indiana Jones. Oh yeah, when the, the melting skeleton... faces. No, no, no. no the, the you have chosen. Crusade, yeah, last crusade. Oh, chosen oh yeah, 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 yeah. He chose poorly. <laughs> <laughs> he did choose poorly. What a chump. Yeah, that's, um, I, I always envision the Lord Rulers kind of fading away and getting, you know, old, super old really quick. And, and then just, just turning into dust. Basically. And then flying against the wall and shattering. Yeah. Um, well, good. Uh, so before I burst into a million pieces, let's disband, uh, unless anybody has any other burning questions or comments, uh, we are going to disband for two weeks. Uh, because there is uh, a lot on everybody's plate. Yes, there um, is. And next week we're going to be uh, hopefully getting Matt Woolley into the into the studio to talk about comic books and kids' brains. So two weeks, you all have two weeks to read uh, the Well of Ascension. This goes for not only the the two rookies in the room, but also anybody listening. Uh, we will resume at that point and prepare to have your face melted by. The ultimate guitar solo of um, literature. Do we have a breakdown of The Well of Ascension? Uh, you know, I'm thinking about that. I, I wonder if we just do the whole dang book. Uh, because it was it was really painful last time to not talk about <laughs> the entire book. I know, but... I, uh. we'll, so we'll keep you up to date. Uh, make sure you keep tabs with us on Facebook and All we will this, update you. Yeah, listeners, read the whole thing. We may only discuss part of it, but... Read the whole, just read the whole thing. Yeah, don't stop on our account, for heaven's sake. Um, and we will look forward to that. And so help me, if both of you, Ken and Todd, are not in studio for that, um, I I will fire coins at you. So help me, sir. It's a good thing I have a wooden shield. <laughs> so, all right, thanks guys for coming in. And uh, we will talk to all of you uh, next week. Hey everybody, thank you so much for listening to the Legendarium Podcast. Make sure you take a minute to subscribe to us on iTunes and now on Stitcher Radio. Like us on Facebook and check out our fantastic website at thelegendariumpodcast.com.